For our prayer time today, we're going to center all of our prayers in Psalm 107. And so in Psalm 107, there's four groups that are prayed for. Uh, the, those who are wandering in the wilderness, those bound in prison, those who are suffering sickness, and those who are caught in the midst of a terrible storm. So we're going to let each of those four groups um, shape our four prayer blocks. So let me encourage you to grab a Bible and open up to Psalm 107, and you can pray along with us. But before we get into the prayer blocks, it, Psalm 107, begins with a call to worship. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north. 
and from the south. So here in verses 1 through 3, the Lord is calling together all of the redeemed in verse 2 from all over the earth, the north, the south, the east, the west. And you see, it's his goodness is the fount and his love is the fruit. So he's gathering together this global worldwide choir of all of the godly. And then they are all going to sing of the redemption that they have received. So this is a four-part choir, unlike anything creation has ever seen. And so let us now pause to ask the Lord to bless his people with a song of praise that our hearts might be filled and our mouths burst forth with praise unto him. Now pause to offer your own expression of thanksgiving for the many mercies you have received from his hand, seen and unseen. Now as we move into Psalm 107 proper, we have four different pictures and each of those pictures present for us a metaphor for sin. And they offer a graphic illustration of what sin will do to our life, how it will ruin us. And then it offers a graphic demonstration about how the Lord will redeem us. So our goal, what we want to do is we want to focus in on each group of people and how sin has broken them and then how the Lord heals them. And we want to pray for people in each of those situations. So our first group is found in verse 4 through 9. And these are those who are lost. They're wandering around aimless in the wilderness. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So here we see people that are on a quest. And you know, every single person in our life, every person in the world is on some type of quest. Some are on an intellectual quest where they're searching for answers. Some are on a physical quest where they're searching for pleasure. Some are on a material quest where they're searching for things. But what we see here is that all those quests are like a vapor. They vanish. And we see that life without Christ is ultimately hopeless. And as they're searching, they're not ever finding. They're hungry but never satisfied, thirsty but never never satisfied. But then the great turn, and what we'll notice is this is repeated through all four situations. They're in a place of difficulty and darkness, and then there's the turn. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And then notice what he does. He delivers them. He leads them. He settles them. He gives them a home. Now let's pause here to offer up requests for those who you know that are aimlessly wandering in the wilderness, those seeking meaning in life or in a difficult situation and need to be led by the Lord. And if this was your song, 
if this was your story, if you're part of the group that knew you were aimless and wandering in the wilderness and the Lord redeemed you, then pause and take a moment and praise him for that. Now, our next group, found in verse 10 through 16, are those who are bound in prison. And what we see here is that sin is slavery. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the word of the God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor and they fell with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and he burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. So here we see people who are in the opposite position than the ones who have gone before them. The ones in the previous section were those who are wandering aimlessly in the wilderness or in the desert. Uh, But here we see people who are in bondage. They have no room. They're chained. And this, in many ways, is the devil's greatest masterpiece. He has people bound, but they think they're free. You know, the sin's great illusion is that it promises us an easy life. But the reality that this shows us is that the life in sin is a life that's hard. It's a life in chains, in afflictions. But then they cry out to him, and notice, how does he set them free? They come out of the darkness and into the light. He bursts their bonds apart, and then they're set free. So let's pause and offer up requests and pray specifically for those who are bound in slavery, those who are trapped in addictions, those trapped in loneliness, in pride, in envy, and in anger. And if this is your testimony, your story, your song, if you are bound but have been set free, then pause and give him praise for that. The third group, the third part of this global choir singing the Lord's praise for redemption is found in verse 17 through 22. And here we see the image that sin is like a disease. It makes us sick. We have those who are lying on the bed of affliction. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. But then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word, and he healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. 
Now, these this group of people who are sick are sick not because of just kind of the natural effects of living in a fallen world where their body is breaking down. They're sick because of their own choices. This is a consequence of their iniquity and rebellion, as it says in verse 17. And that's what sin does. Notice it, uh, they can't even eat food. They loathe it. Then they draw near to the gates of death. They're wasting away. Sin has robbed them of the good things in life. And it's worth thinking about what joy is sin trying to steal from you? What hope is it trying to steal from you? What good thing is it trying to steal from you? This is what it wants to do. It wants to steal. Steal your youth, steal your peace, steal your hope, steal your joy, steal your gratitude. And then notice how the Lord saves them. They cry out to him. And what does he send to heal them? Verse 20, he sent out his word and healed them. It's the word, the bread of life that nourishes them, that sustains them, that revives them. He sends the word to rescue them from the grave. Now let us pause and offer requests for those who are sick, those who we know and those who we don't know. And let us pause and ask the Lord to unleash his word, his life-giving word, his unchanging word. And if this is your testimony, if this is your song, your story, that he sent out his word to heal you, then give him praise for that. Now we move into our fourth section of those who are singing the song of redemption. And these are people who have been saved from and in the midst of a terrible storm, starting in verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, and they went down to the depths, and their courage melted away in the evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. So here we see an image of frail men and women facing a storm that they can't stop. And what's interesting about the way the psalmist sets us up is we're not quite sure why they went in the storm. There's some ambiguity. It says they were doing business on the great waters. So does that mean they were taking risk and pushing the envelope into places that they shouldn't have been? Or were they just going through the normal routine of life and this storm hits them? Either way, they get they enter into this terrible storm and there's graphic images of being lifted up and thrown down and tossed all around and then their courage melts away. 
And you can't read this and not think about the times where the disciples were in the boat and it was being tossed around. And these are professional fishermen who know their business and they're terrified and they cry out, Lord, don't you care that we're going to die? And then he calms the storm. But notice how how he does this. They cry to him and then he delivers them from their distress. He makes it all quiet, makes it all calm. He sends peace. Now, most of us don't have to think very long to, to think of one who might be in the middle of life storms. So let us pause and offer up a request for those that we know who are in the middle of life storms. And that they would feel that the Lord is drawing near and that his presence would still them and fill them with peace that surpasses all understanding. And then as we finish, take some time to read through the rest of Psalm 107 and notice how the Lord sends a great reversal. He turns rivers into deserts, springs of water into thirsty ground, fruitful land into a salty waste. But then he turns deserts into pools of water and parched lands into springs. He lets, he'll establish a city to live in and sow the fields and plant the vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessings, they'll multiply greatly. So all of these songs end with this great reversal. Those who exalted themselves were brought low. Those who humbled themselves or lifted up. And it ends in 43. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. I don't want to be afraid every time I face these waves. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be afraid, I don't want to fear the storm, just because I hear the roar. I don't want to fear the storm, I don't want to fear the storm. Peace be still, say the word and I will, set my feet upon the sea. Till I'm dancing in the deep Peace be still You are here so it is well Even when my eyes can't see I will trust the voice that speaks I'm not gonna be afraid Cause these waves are only waves I'm not gonna be afraid I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to fear the storm. You are greater than its roar. I'm not going to fear the storm. No, I'm not going to fear at all. Peace be still. Say the word and I will set my feet upon the sea. Till I'm dancing in the deep Peace be still You are here so it is well Even when 
sea, I will trust the voice that speaks.